because we are going to be together as a family, worship. So our text today is going to be in 2 Samuel. The title of this sermon is The Promise. Now, let's see. Give you all a chance to catch up. So, like I said, this is this title is going to be the promise. And this is one of my favorite stories in the Bible. This is David and Mephibosheth. And David said, Is there still anyone left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? Now there was a servant in the house of Saul whose name was Ziba. And they called him to David, and the king said to him, Are you Ziba? And he said, I am your servant. And the king said, is there, still, is there not still someone of the house of Saul that I may show the kindness of God to him? Ziba said to the king, There is still a son of Jonathan. He is crippled in his feet. The king said to him, Where is he? And Ziba said to the king, He is in the house of Machir, the son of Ammoniel, at Lodabar. Then King David sent and brought him from the house of Machir, the son of Emil, at Lobadar. And Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, son of Saul, came to David and fell on his face and paid homage. And David said, Mephibosheth? And he answered, Behold, I am your servant. And David said to him, Do not fear, for I will show you kindness for the sake of your father Jonathan. And I will restore to you all the land of Saul, your father. And you shall eat at my table always. And he paid homage and said, What is your servant that you would show regard for a dead dog such as I? Then the king called Ziba, Saul's servant, and said to him, All that belong to Saul and to all his house I have given to your master's grandson. And you and your sons and your servants shall till the land for him and shall bring in the produce that your master's grandson may have bread to eat. But Mephibosheth, your master's grandson, shall always eat at my table. Now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. Then Ziba said to the king, according to all that my lord the king commands his servant, so will his servant do. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. And Mephibosheth had a son whose name was Micah. And all who lived in Ziba's house became Mephibosheth's servants. So Mephibosheth lived in, is, lived in Jerusalem, for he ate always at the king's table. Now he was lame in both feet. Now we all have that one friend who we love, who is like a brother or a sister to us. There is nothing that can separate that love. 
There's a story about two siblings that grew up and they were in a house where their father was absentee. Their father was still alive, but they really didn't get to know him well. And their best friend, who was like a brother to them, the father came and basically was that, was that fill-in father, that foster father, if you will. He loved them. He, he, every time that he went to take his own son somewhere, he took the other two with him. If it was a camping trip, if it was vacations, there was stuff that he did out of his love because he saw the love that these two boys had for his son. When both the mother and father died of the one boy, the two brothers mourned with him. The two brothers came beside him, mourned with him, were there for the funeral, were there to go through the whole mourning process with him. When that boy had grown into a man and he needed help, the two, like any siblings would, came alongside and helped him. They gave him money to help him get a car. They came and gave him money to help him with apartment expenses. That is sort of the same love Jonathan and David shared. Now, to go back and kind of fill in what we don't have through this story, David, when he went to fight Goliath, he was only about 16 years old, so a little older than Bryson right now. Hmm? Younger. Younger. Yeah, that's what I meant, younger. <laughs> Bryson's just a little bit older. Anyway, about the same age, give or take. What ended up happening was this. David comes in and he gives this bold statement that he is going to do this because God will give him strength. And Jonathan instantly loves him like a brother. He's sitting there and because Jonathan wanted to go fight. Jonathan was the heir. His father, Saul the king, didn't want to see his son go and die in battle. But the same bravery, like we learned a few months ago when we talked about Jonathan and, and his servant fighting the Philistines. Jonathan was a brave man. Jonathan was a man of God. And that same being was in David. And so this is where the two of them had this love and this bond for one another. When Saul was at war, after he had found out that God had abandoned him, what happened was Saul was a very stubborn, have-to-do-it-my-way kind of guy. And he was told by Samuel, who was the priest of Israel, wait until I get there to do the sacrifice, and then God's going to give you the victory. He didn't wait. He went ahead. He did the sacrifice. What ended up happening was Saul came in, uh, Samuel came in to Saul and said, you've done it. God is going to take the kingdom away from you and give it to David. So Saul started a civil war with David. So much so that it pitted Jonathan in the middle because he had his father. He had his right as heir, as crown prince. Then he had his brother-in-law because David had married Jonathan's sister. On the other side, this man that he loved as if he was his own flesh and blood brother. And Jonathan chose David. 
And Jonathan said, and he promised to both Saul and David, uh, Saul and Jonathan, I am going to make sure that your lineage stays on, stays together, passes on to somebody. What was traditional at the time was, well, basically, whenever there was a civil war, like if we look at the wars with England or France or Germany, and the monarchs went and replaced another monarch, they would make sure that the lineage of that other family ended. And David was like, no, I can't do that. So this is the, this is the first thing. This is a father's promise kept. One thing we're going to see in this sermon today is how David is very much like God the Father. So Jonathan uh, had passed on, and David wept bitterly. And he wanted to do this. He wanted to remember what he could do to someone left. And so he says here, Is there still anyone left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? Again, he had promised Jonathan and Saul that their bloodline would continue. And it was through this one son, Mephibosheth. Now, when we read into verse 2, Ziba is his servant. He served Saul, he served Jonathan. Think of how he's taking care of Mephibosheth. If you've ever watched Batman, he had Alfred. Alfred was more than the butler to Batman. He was more like a father figure to Batman. He was somebody who loved greatly Bruce Wayne's father, Thomas. And he took care of Bruce as if he was his own son. In fact, and this is coming from the comic geek, thank you. Um, Damian Wayne, Bruce's son now in the comics, calls Alfred Grandpa Alfred. Because he knows, he knows that relationship, that familial bond is there. Even though they're not related by blood, there is a familial bond between them. So Ziba is sort of that way. He's taking care of Mephibosheth. He knows where Mephibosheth is. He's taking care of him. He was a caretaker. And this is what happens. So when David wants to find out what is going on, calls him and he's like, is there still, is there not still someone of the house of Saul that I may show the kindness of God to him? And Ziba said to the king, there is still a son of Jonathan. He is crippled in his feet. The king said to him, where is he? And Ziba said to him, he is in the house of Machir, the son of Emil at Lodabar. And now you've got to think about Ziba's thing here. He knows that whole thing, that what the tradition is that David could end the line of Saul right there. So maybe this is why he's telling him he's crippled in his feet. He's trying to ask him, show him mercy. Please show him mercy. But he also knows David. David is, is known throughout the kingdom as both a kind and generous king and a man after God's own heart. And this is where we 
go back and we look at how God, when Adam and Eve sinned and they fell, God promised them, I'm not going to end you. I'm not going to destroy you. What I'm going to do is I'm going to deliver you. I'm going to give you a promise. And that promise was His Son, Jesus Christ. In many ways, David is also like Jesus because he is coming here and he is swearing this protection on Mephibosheth. And Mephibosheth, in some ways, is us. God becomes a protector to us. Jesus becomes a protector to us because he helps keep us away from God's wrath. And David promises to become a protector to Mephibosheth and not an enemy. In fact, Mephibosheth's name is kind of weird when you translate it. In one version of Hebrew, his name actually means grandfather. In the other version of Hebrew, his name means father. And if you notice, when we read the story, David calls him both the son of Jonathan and the son of Saul. So there's like this interesting way that God is kind of showing us this lineage is going to carry on. In fact, we even read he has a son. But again, David is promising to protect him. He wants to give him this love, this kindness, because of everything Jonathan did. What happened was, in one instance, Jonathan actually risked his own life. Saul was sitting there warring with David, and David told him, if your father does this, that means it's safe for me to come home to Jerusalem and be in your father's presence. But if your father does this, this is what I want you to do. Send out your servant to do this with an arrows, and that will tell me that um, it's not safe. And so... Jonathan goes in, he faces his father, and he realizes it's not safe for David. So he goes out, and he takes the arrow, and he shoots it, and he tells the servant, now go get the arrow. And then he looks, and David comes out, and the two of them embrace each other and weep bitterly because they know that now they may never see each other again. And that is also when David makes the promise to Jonathan. Now, this covenant will be met. This promise will be met. Much like Jesus being the covenant from God is met for us. David calls from Mephibosheth and he's brought in to him. And he says, do not fear for I will show you Show you kindness for the sake of your father Jonathan, and I will restore to you all the land of Saul, your father, and you shall eat at my table always. Now there's three things to think about with this, and we're going to compare them with what Jesus did on the cross. The first thing is... Jesus' death on the cross restored to us a relationship with God. Just like David says, I'm going to restore all the land 
that should be yours to you, that happens. At the same time, it opens up this relationship. We're able to come here today and have communion. We're able to do this celebratory memorial meal, as some will call it, in remembrance of what Jesus did on the cross for us. And the third thing is, there is a relationship that's opened. Now for us, Jesus' death and burial and resurrection opened up a relationship with us to God the Father. It gave us the ability to call Him Abba. It gave us a covering over the wrath that we should have. And David is sitting there saying, I love you. I loved your Father. And because of this, you're always going to eat at my table. And just as God has adopted us through the blood of Christ, and we are brothers and sisters and co-heirs with Christ, David sits there and in not so many words adopts Mephibosheth. To sit and eat at the king's table meant you were one of his sons or daughters. And so Mephibosheth is now able to go to that table. So David is saying to Mephibosheth, you're not even an orphan anymore. You are my son. I love you. And that's what God did to him, for us. When he sent Jesus to die on the cross, he said, I love you. You are my son. You are my daughter. This is what's going to happen. What ends up happening is this. Look at how Mephibosheth reacts to this. He said, it says, he paid homage and said, what is your servant that you should show regard for such a dead dog as I? Now remember, Mephibosheth is royalty. He is a prince. But when he goes before David, he bows himself, he humbles himself, like God asks us to be, humble towards him. But then he belittles himself. He says, why would you show regard for a dead dog such as I? In the Hebrew Dead dog was like a, a derogatory remark to oneself. So he's like really belittling himself. He really has this low self-esteem of himself. But David still loves him. David still sits there and he turns around. Like right after this happens, David turns around and he looks at Ziba and he says... Everything that was Saul's, everything that was Jonathan's, I'm restoring to him. It's all his. You are going to go there. You are going to caretake for this. You and your sons, your servants, you're going to you know, farm the land, take everything there, eat from that, get produce, get money for the family, and your master's going to stay here with me. He's going to eat at my table. So David is not only taking care of Mephibosheth, he's taking care of everyone else. He's taking care of Micah, he's taking care of Ziba, he's taking care of all those servants that were there. It was what, um, 25 plus Ziba and then Micah, so 27 people. He's just sitting there taking care of. And that's what God does for us. He takes care of us. He loves us. 
He has met His promise that we are going to go to heaven one day because He met the promise through His Son, Jesus. Our third point is this, and I put a promise restored. It should be a promise restored. A promise for restoration met, maybe. So Mephibosheth, as we see, well, this is it. You know, he calls Ziba, the servant, and said to him, All that belongs to Saul and to his house I have given to your master's grandson. And you and your sons and your servants shall till the land for him, shall bring in the produce, that your master's grandson may have bread to eat. But Mephibosheth, your master's grandson, will always eat at my table. This is how David is restoring everything. He's basically giving Mephibosheth his birthright. He's lived in fear. He's lived at someone else's home. He's lived at someone else's kindness. Ziba has taken care of him. But now he doesn't have to hide. He doesn't have to fear. And that's how it is with us. When Jesus died on the cross, we... Stop this fear. We stop this living in doubt of God's love. And we understand that God's love for us is there. We see it in the sacrifice of Jesus. In everything that was supposed to be Mephibosheth's inheritance was restored to David. Just like God restores our relationship with him. In fact, God's promise to Adam was met through Jesus. David will always have a place at his table for Mephibosheth. Even when David goes and he's chased out of Jerusalem by his son Absalom, the one thing we read about Mephibosheth is Mephibosheth goes into this process that the Hebrews had for mourning, for protection. He takes on, he lets his beard get really grisly, and he puts on the ash and cloth, because he is praying and mourning and praying that David will be protected and saved. When David finally comes back and sees Mephibosheth, he sees that same love that Mephibosheth's father, Jonathan, had for him, and they embrace, and he restores him back to the table as one of his sons. You see, this is the things that we have to remember. It says right here, Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem for he always ate at the king's table. Today, we are given that same right. Today, we come and we remember Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. We come and we remember that Jesus loved us so much. He loved his people so much. The shortest verse in the Bible says Jesus wept because he loved us so much. And even though it was over one person that that verse is about, Lazarus, it shows us his love. Jesus tells Jerusalem, in front of the apostles, how I would love to gather you as a hen gathers its, its chicks. 
Jesus has this love that his Father has given him. They share this love for us. When we look at David's relationship with Jonathan, it mirrors that same love, that same sacrifice, that same thing that we should have for Jesus that Jesus already showed for us. And so today, when we come before the table, when we come to take the elements, let us stop for a few minutes and remember. Let us stop and remember what it means for us that we don't have to live in fear from the king. That we are adopted sons and daughters. That we have an inheritance now. Just like David did for Mephibosheth. And eventually, that's what happens. We go on, we read, and we find out that David's promise was met, that Jonathan's line continued and was strong and allied itself with the kings of Judah. And that's what we do. We ally with God on mission. So today, when we come, I'm going to ask us all to just take a few minutes, prepare our hearts for the elements. Then um, I'm going to ask the team to come up and uh, begin play and um, then we'll take of the elements. So take this time now to just um, think about what it means and prepare your hearts for this.